Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Leaders Lead and Winners Win. Our logo's pretty cool. Logo's pretty cool. Shout out to Blake Russian. He is uh, BlakeRussianDesigns.com right here. He's awesome. He created my website, KinfolkHomeLoans.com. He created MakeMyRateGreatAgain.com, another website. He created all kinds of logos for me. <laughs> and he does fast work and he does great work. And... Um, and it's uh, it's quality stuff. So visit his website. I just wanted to plug him. I don't know. Rob just kind of came over me, but um, you know he does he does uh, he does incredible work. Does incredible work. Leaders lead, winners win. Our logo is pretty sweet. But today, welcome back in. Here, here's what we do on this podcast. If you are a first time listener, we listen. We talk through leadership. We talk through sales, we talk through life, we talk through lessons. My whole job and what I try to do, I don't know why I have this in my hand, but I have this in my hand. I'm going to throw this at the camera like this, and it's going to be great. Hopefully, it's a good shot. All right. Do you like that? We talk through leadership. We talk through winning. We talk through, you know, a lot of this stuff's actually been leadership. We got to talk about how to win here, Rob, soon. But this has all been leadership because we need leaders more than ever. You heard me say it on the last podcast, but that's what we do. Talk through life lessons. My whole thing here, ladies and gentlemen, is just to give you advice because I've been through a lot of shit in my life. Uh, a lot of leadership lessons, a lot of life lessons, a lot of sales lessons. And I just want to give back. I want to give this to you for free uh, just simply because I'm down the path and I want you to catch up to me on that path. And I want to give you my playbook, even though I'm still going to kick your ass with it. Speaking of kicking ass and giving playbooks. I've recently um, you know, started a, a mortgage company. And if you don't know anything about the mortgage industry in general, <clears throat> happens to be the hardest place, uh, hardest industry to break into. Um, and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or to give any of you nerds credit that have started a mortgage company, but it's hard. You got to go through all sorts of licensing and background checks and uh, compliance stuff. And there's so many different things. You got to be audited. You got to send in audited financials and you have to take tests and you got to hire licensing companies. Then you got to start your LLC. I mean, it's literally starting. It's been a four or three month process. We started sometime in May. June's really kind of our first month and we've been doing extremely well. And I'm super proud of our guys at Kinfolk Home Loans and we're going to grow this thing out. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm unbelievably honored and blessed to lead this company um, as the CEO. I'm honored and blessed that uh, friends have trusted me. I'm honored and blessed that uh, their families have approved. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, you think, hey, I'm going to come over to this place. I have a pretty cushy job already. I'm going to come over to this place. And it's a risk. That's a big deal. And for wives, kids, family members, brothers, sisters that say, hey, you should do that and take that leap of faith all in the name of knowing me or knowing the people that are at the company is a big deal. And it's, again, an honor, a blessing and uh, something that I definitely uh, hold near and dear to my heart, but also feel from a pressure perspective and feel from a responsibility perspective. Uh, you can't just, when, when you're responsible for somebody else's income and livelihood, you get up a little bit differently. You don't have that second or third glass of wine. You just don't. Or shot. Tequila Rob. Tequila Rob. Pastor Rob and Tequila Rob, actually. Those are his two nicknames. You don't. Because you got to get up and you got to provide and you got to lead and you have to be the example. And of course, there's times to cut loose and have fun. <laughs> Lord knows that I know how to do that. Very good, if you know me. But 
Um, it makes you, it makes you uh, take a step in a maturity. It also makes you realize how important it is to have a pulse on the business and have a pulse on your people. It's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to kind of, we're going to talk about caring and this action acronym care that I came up with. I'm going to tell you a story. It's story time. We can put a fire in here, Rob, but it's important to have a pulse on your people and on your business. And I want to go through that. So a pulse on your people, a lot of us leaders, when we walk into a room and I know it's hard being virtual, like we are now, which I hope we get out of and we're not virtual. I know you don't like that, but I like it because we need to be in an office together. This is human connection. This is how things are built faster with more efficiency and with much better quality. Just so you are. Okay. Elon Musk just literally came out and said, hey, if you don't want to come to work, you don't have to work for Tesla. And I second that wholeheartedly. You can say, well, I want to work from home sometimes. That's fine. No one said that's not the case, but you're not working from home full time. We need a human connection. This is how things are built. Okay. For example, um, us, we just got an office uh, in the Biltmore area and it's really nice. It's really cool. And we have crushed it since we've been in the office. Why? Because I can roll over to Connor's chair. Connor can roll over to my office. Scott can come into my office. I can come into Scott's. They can work together. Right now, there's there's three of us. We can work together to figure out this loan. It, you know what you have to do? You're probably experiencing this right now. You know what you have to do virtually? You got a Teams column, Rob. You got a Teams call. You got a Face column. FaceTime. Face call. You got a FaceTime. Sometimes people answer. Sometimes people don't. And guess what? That's called an inefficiency. And some people say there's value in efficiency. In efficiency. I say there's value in efficiencies. If inefficiencies. Meaning, if you can solve the problem for that inefficiency, like not getting a hold of somebody, then you're going to provide value and you're going to monetize it and you're going to make a lot of money. So there's value in inefficiency. And how do you solve that inefficiency, Rob, when you, when you can't get a hold of somebody? You get them in the fucking office. You get together. Sorry. It's just a pulse. But when you walk into a room as a leader, you, uh, you could tell who's off and who's not. And I've, I've said this for 10 years now, but I come into the office and I look at everything status quo. I'm going to come in and I'm going to be balls on fire. Is that what they call it? Jesus. I don't even know what that means. Balls on fire. What? Hair on fire. Jeez. Hair on fire, whatever you want to call it. And that's just going to be my style. I'm, I, I'm an energetic human being. I like to have fun. And um, I'm a little intense. But I'm going to come in that way. I'm going to try and come in that way 90% of the time. There's 10%. I'm not going to be able to do it. And hopefully the intent and the impact match and my people follow that intensity and that fun and that energy. Um, but I'm always going to go status quo. I'm going to think there's nothing wrong because I can't operate that way as if I can't stop and say, hey, are you OK? My point in telling you this is you should have as a leader a gut instinct. If you see something, typically they're off. Typically, they're going to quit. Typically, they're having some issues at home. Your intuition as a human being will tell you so. Now, that's for the leaders. For the folks that are maybe the team members or employees, I hate that word, but I'm going to say it for the employees. You got to understand that your leader is going to come in status quo most of the time. Maybe they don't have a good intuition. So you 
you have to go to them and tell them if something is off so that they know, because otherwise they don't know. So make sure that you do that. But leaders have a pulse, use your intuition. You're probably right. The other thing you got to have your pulse on, so to speak, is not only your humans, which is the most important thing to have a pulse on, period, but also your KPIs or your key performance indicators. And there's a few things. One, there's some things that should be automated that maybe are tertiary or secondary. Tertiary means third, for those of you that don't know. Third on your list of importance and maybe secondary is uh, things should be automated as well. But your primary objectives or your primary things or big rocks that you are moving day in and day out, whatever that might be, whether it be an effort component in sales, which it should be, whether it be a, uh, a conversion component, which it should be. Uh, again, effort and conversion equals massive amounts of sales. Effort and conversion, massive amounts amounts of sales. You had a little motivation, you sprinkle a little leadership in there, you sprinkle a little inspiration, and you got yourself a award-winning sales force. Award-winning. But you should know your KPIs. Your first, your primary the things that you need to move to move the needle, okay? Those things, some things should be tracked by hand. And I just want to share that with you because I don't think people think that way. I actually got this from a good friend of mine, Dan Brown. He said, hey, these things you need to track by hand. These two things you should probably automate. And I thought about that for a long time and I want to share it with you on the podcast because that's a big deal. That makes a lot of sense. You know where he got that? You know where he got that? He got that from a man by the name of Dan Gilbert. If you know anything about Dan Gilbert, he happens to be a billionaire. So I would take that at face value and I would just accept it. And that's what I did. So there's things that you should track by hand and that you should focus on day in and day out and move. Those key performance indicators are going to, your primary key performance indicators are going to drive those objectives. Your secondary and third probably are uh, are byproducts of the primary. Ultimately, you can automate those and you don't need to track them by hand. So, but just have a pulse on your business. Spend time, leaders, working on the business just as much as you work in the business. You know, in sales, we like to work in the business all the time. We like to beat that drum. I'm talking about all day long, baby. We own the phones or we're in person or we're door knocking or whatever the type of sales that you do, we're rolling, baby. And our job as leaders is to keep people rolling. However, as a leader, you got to focus on the business as well. What does that mean? Well, what that means is you got to focus on the things that matter, on growing the business and how these things affect ultimately how we are working on things and how our people are working on things. And if they're making, if what they're doing right now is making them money. I had a, a friend of mine that used to wear a cowboy hat in the office and he says, what you're doing right now going to make you money. It was funny, but he was right. So have a pulse. All right. Truly caring. That was just a, a, a KPI riff, Rob. Is it seven minutes? All right. Uh, Rob and I like to have conversation. He's reading a book right now. That's how bored he is. He's so bored. He's here. Here's my voice. 17,000 fucking minutes a week. I'm good. Dog. I'm going to read a book. Probably can't because I'm yelling, but truly caring about somebody. Do an exercise for me. If you're leading a, an extra a group of people. Okay. So let's say that group is 10. I want you to write down those 10 names. And on the right-hand side of those 10 names, I want you to write down their significant others' names. Male, female, whatever the case is, or maybe N.A. Maybe you got some players out there, playettes. You know, maybe, they ain't, maybe they ain't got a significant. That's okay. But go ahead. Take those 10. 
name your team members or the people on your sales team or whatever the case is, or maybe you're a leader of leaders. And I want you to write down on the right-hand side of those names, their significant others. And I bet you probably feel kind of stupid doing it because you probably don't know a lot of them. Let's take it a step further. I want you to write down if they have kids or not and what those kids' names are. Go ahead. Do, do the exercise. Like let's, let's have some fun. And if you're running on a treadmill or you can't, or whatever the case is, do this later. Or maybe think about it. And what you'll start to find is if we br- keep kind of peeling the layer deeper, because those things you should know, you should know your, your people's uh, significant other's names, or at least their kids' names, or whatever the case is. Maybe their favorite food, or maybe their favorite book, or, or so on and so forth. You start to unpeel this thing. You're like, damn, I really don't know a lot about the people that I lead. And I happen to be bumping elbows with them in the trenches like this, lean like a cholo type style. You know what I'm saying? Happen to be bumping elbows with them 50, 60 hours a week. And uh, that's not okay. That's not how you lead a sales team. That's not how you lead a sales anything. You got to know your people. You got to truly care about who they are, the people they surround themselves with, because you're there to change their life. You're not there to collect a paycheck and let them do the work for you. If you're in leadership for that, get out so that somebody else can move in. You're there to change their lives. You're there, you, you, you are there as a leader to get them to places that they wouldn't be without you. Let me say that again. You're there as a leader to get them places to play that they wouldn't be without you. Get them places that they wouldn't be without you. So part of that process happens to be knowing them at a personal level. And people say, well, you shouldn't get too personal with your people. Yeah, you should. I don't know who said that. This is, uh, why wouldn't you get personal with your people? Why, why not? Why not know that incredible human being that's working alongside of you day in and day out? And just because you have a title of uh, sales manager and they happen to have a title of salesperson doesn't mean that you can't connect with that person and be a great friend and mentor. And that's already the role that you're in. So you might as well embrace it. I'll tell you a quick story. So when I was early on in my sales leadership career, we had teams of like 12, right? And in one calendar year, I lost 17 people. And you're like, hold on, let me just say that again. So I had a team of 12, and in one calendar year, I lost 17 folks. Like Cody, so you had negative five? Is that negative five? That's Matt, negative five people that next year? No. I had four people that stick with me, and we lost eight twice, and then one other person. See how that works? These people stayed for one full year, and then eight twice within a calendar year. And they would, you know, we would joke. It would be funny because we would have a team that was a badass team and we'd call them Nordstrom. You know, they were Nordstrom. And then a team that was like maybe had quite a few people quit. They were like Nordstrom rack, Robbie. Okay. You know, my team was called last chance, baby. Last chance. And we sat right next to the door and damn near almost every other week. You had somebody leaving the organization. And as an early leader, I would say that's their fault, brother. Not my fault. There's no way. I mean, I'm a pretty cool cat. Everybody likes me. And I kept pointing fingers and pointing fingers and pointing fingers. And I had a conversation with, you know, my leader at the time. And uh, I got, I was getting through some punishment. I had, truth be told, I almost quit because of the, punish that the, the punishment that they were handing down. Um, by the grace of God, I didn't, which is great. And the rest is history. But... I almost quit because I was playing the victim. Woe is me. It's their fault, not my fault. 
The reality is it was 100% my fault. And that was a good growing and teaching moment for yours truly. I was being clicky and only hanging out with those four people. I was making fun of the other people that would come on the team. I was not doing the things that a leader should. I was being immature and it was to the detriment of 17 individuals making a decision to end their career at an organization that had a promising future, all because I was immature, I was clicky, and I wasn't being a good leader. I was young. But that's not an excuse because age is just a number. So finally, by the grace of God and incredible leaders and mentors, I understood what a leader should be doing. I understood what a leader could have done and uh, it made me grow quite a bit. So much so that I've taken this story, not viral, but with inside of that said company and the people that know me, I've told it a hundred times and I uh, made a presentation and I've gone through this and, and attrition from then on or people that left my organization was nil. For the next 18 months, I'd had one person leave the organization under my accord or under my wings, so to speak. And thereafter, I don't think many less than a handful in, uh, in almost five years after that point. And it's because I cared, which is the whole premise of this. And I came up with a little, uh, a little acronym as they say, and, uh, it's consistent, authentic relationships and empathy. I'm gonna go through each one. So consistent. When I lost all those folks, my emotions weren't consistent. I wasn't consistent with when I showed up or when I left. I wasn't consistent with how I showed up or how I left. I wasn't consistent with me caring about that person. I wasn't consistent with anything really in my life at that point. Wasn't consistent personally. I wasn't consistent with the relationship that I had or the workouts that I was doing or the food that I was eating or how much alcohol I was consuming. There was no consistency with inside of my life, which led to no discipline with inside of my life which also led to bad emotional intelligence. EQ, in my opinion, is more important than IQ. EQ is emotional intelligence. How to feel a certain way and act, speak, and think differently. How to feel a certain way and how to act, speak, and think differently. That's what EQ is. And we need to master it. And there's books and there's situations that you need to put yourself into. There's role playing, but ultimately being consistent with emotions is what led me to lose a lot of people, but also led me to keep a lot of people moving forward and what led me to be the leader that I am today. And I'm super, super thankful for it. So I encourage you to care more and use that C and leverage consistency through emotional, through increasing your EQ and your emotional acumen. That's, that's, that's the C. A, authenticity. Man, I was like trying to be somebody that I wasn't when I was losing all these people. I was like, I'm just not being myself. I'm not giving people the feedback that they need either. I wasn't being authentic there. I'd smile in their face and tell them they're doing a good job. And they were dead last on the in the organization. How are you going to sit there as a leader and tell them, hey, bud, you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. And they can't even pay their fucking bills. How? Would you do that? I don't know, but I did it. I wasn't being authentic. I was lying to their face. When in all reality, I need to sit down with them and say, hey, you're not good here, here, and here. We need to fix X, Y, and Z. Here's the plan. If we don't improve upon this and you don't get out of your comfort zone, I'm going to get out of mine. I'm going to coach the hell out of you. If you don't get out of your comfort zone, 
then you won't work here. It's that simple. So I wasn't giving the, the, the people feedback that I should have, the sales folks, the team members. And that was because I was being inauthentic. I wasn't being genuine, not only to myself, but I was lying to them and lying about their future. And it, it was to their detriment. Now I am as authentic as they come. I'll give you feedback. I'll say, Hey, would you like some feedback? And people that know me or that have worked with me before that they know what's coming thereafter. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I have a pretty damn good eye on how we can fix things and how to fix some, some broken windows with inside of your game. That's what coaches do. And if you think of yourself as a leader, you're a coach. And if you're a coach, you got to coach the player. It's the point, no matter how hard it is or how much you respect that person, how close you are to that person, you got to give them feedback. I gave someone feedback today. I said, you're being extremely negative and you're gripping the bat too hard. He didn't like it. I've been friends with him for a long time. It works with me right now. He said, okay, well, I don't think so. I said, okay, no big deal, man. Let me know if you need anything else. And we moved on. And then lo and behold, he had a great day after that. But it was a small correction or a small thing that, he, that I saw from him. And I would expect him as a leader to do the same thing for me. That's what great leaders do. They're authentic. So I encourage you to be authentic. Relationship building. Uh, you've heard this a hundred times. I feel so weird saying it, but I'm going to say it. People don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care or something like that. Right. That's a saying. And relationship building goes hand in hand. You got to make sure that you have the relationship and a strong, strong, solid foundation of relationship and foundation of care and a foundation of, hey, I know you, you know me, which we talked about earlier, knowing the actual person at their core, what their likes and dislikes are, what their family's names are what their dog type is. I mean, you got to know your people. Cody, I don't have time for that. You have time for that. You got to make time for that. How do you make time to build relationships? A couple ways. One-on-ones I think are important. And you know, if you've been with the company that I was at for a long time, you've heard this a hundred times, but it's the truth. You got to make time for a one-on-one. And that one-on-one doesn't have to be so personal. There was like guides and shit to have a one-on-one. Robbie, you have to have these. So you like, there's like guides. You don't have to have a fucking guide. Be a normal human being and go on a date with a human. Doesn't have like not a date, but like go to Starbucks and like, hey, how are things? What's going on? Ask open-ended questions. How's your wife? How's your kids? How's your dog? What do you think about the, the, uh, the gas prices? Like just ask questions. Make it all about them, not about you. The one-on-one is for them. It's not for you. If the one-on-one was for you, the roles would be reversed. So have a one-on-one and it doesn't have to be formal. It could be informal. Go grab a beer with that person, but actually give a shit about them and build a relationship. And those relationships go far because if you show that you genuinely care about somebody in an, an authentic way, that is a deposit that's going to be inside of that bank account, so to speak, of reciprocity that you can leverage and use forever. And it's not that you want to do that, but it, the, the point is the more relationship building you have, the deeper and longer that work relationship will go because you care about that person so much. You can also do team builders. There's a whole thing on that about team builders. I would definitely do those at least once or twice a month. Super important that we do so. Uh, Last but not least, care, C-A-R-E, consistent, authentic relationship or relationship building, and then empathy. I think too many people, um, you know, you get a text. These are, you know this, leaders, you know this. Come on, you get this. Every day, I just, I've written it off at this point. If I have a team of 10, at least one person per day is going to call in sick or tell me that their dog ate their paperwork or they have a, oh, the old, the flat tire. 
I've literally used every excuse in the book. One time, my buddy Tyler, this was like 2013. This is so good. We got rip roaring drunk. Rip roaring. And uh, so much, it was like two in the morning. We're like, all right, we're leaving this bar. And we went back home, fell asleep, and uh, we're, we're a little late. And uh, we woke up about seven. And I text my sales manager at the time. And I said, hey, I can't find Tyler. Tyler, I think, oh, nope. I just turned on his location services. He's in Maricopa on a park bench outside of an auto zone. And I have to pick him up. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but we, we, we got away with it. You know what we did? Him and I, the person said, no problem. Do your thing. And Tyler and I went right back to sleep. You're so hung over from the night before we didn't want to go into work. Guys, I've used every excuse in the book. And uh, I think too many times leaders, one, automatically knee jerk reaction, think that the person's lying, which is wrong. And they should show empathy and ask a question like, hey, can I help you at all? Is there anything I can do for you or help your business while you attend to X, Y, and Z? That's something that you should do. Um, but then there's two opposites. That's the middle. That's called empathy. And then there's uh, defensiveness and overreaction, which immature leaders have. And they're like, no, you're not. No, no, no. You should come into work, figure it out. And then there's sympathy where the whole world has to stop because the person has to go take their dog to the vet. And it doesn't have to be that way. My point is you should have empathy, not sympathy, empathy, not sympathy. And you got to make sure that you understand where that person's coming from and where they're at in life and realize that they're not you. And because they can't come to work, again, this is just an example of coming to work, but because they can't come to work and you would have doesn't mean uh, ultimately that they're a bad person. So again, consistency, authenticity, relationship building, and you got to have empathy for your people, care about your people is super important. So last thing I'll say, very simple, that's leadership. Here's the winner's win part. It's okay to wish the best for somebody in life your competitors, the people you compete with every day and still want to fucking crush them. It's okay for those two ideas to coexist. That's the leadership part. This is the winner's part. Let me share something with you. It's okay for two ideas to coexist in your head. I love you. I care for you. Here's how I do it, but I'm still going to kick your ass. It's okay to be competitive and encouraging at the exact same time. And I think a lot of times you, the salesperson, forget or think that those two can't coexist, that I have to be so competitive and in your face, I'm going to crush you and I want you to be reduced to rubble. That's A. B, encouraging. You do it. You're going to do great. And then you're not competitive. That's B. Let me tell you something right now. You can have both. Both of those thoughts can coexist. Both of them. You can be encouraging and unbelievably competitive and want to crush somebody at the exact same time. So look, I've shared a lot. I hope that you like this one. Um, I talked a little about winning. I talked about care. I gave you a story. Um, I hope that you truly care about your people and, and run that exercise, write down your team names and then their significant others and their babies and their hobbies or whatever the case is. And you'll be surprised. You don't know your people as well as you do. And if you do, you're a damn good leader. Maybe you just need to listen to some other, of these other podcasts and, uh, and, and keep up your game and have a pulse on your business. Key performance indicators are important. Primary, write them down. Secondary and tertiary, which is third, by the way, just to reiterate, have them automated and always love and look at your people in the eyes if you can. So love you guys. And uh, look, do me a favor. 
these right here. Click them. We'd appreciate you. Okay. All right. Bye.